Welcome to Season 2 of the Young Player Wellbeing Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Antonio Capasso, alongside fellow co-host Brad Fullerton. Both Brad and I are practicing trainee sport and exercise psychologists and use our experience and knowledge to bring sports psychology and wellbeing concepts to life. But we don't do this alone. We speak to highly specialised guests who also share their personal and professional experiences with wellbeing and sports psychology. On the pod, we encourage listeners interested in all things sport to tune in whilst we provide insight into what working in the world of sport is like. We ask our guests the right questions to provide you with a deep dive into their specialised area of expertise and hope that after listening to each episode, you've taken something away with you. We want to redefine what making it in sport looks like. We hope that by speaking to guests who have made a successful career in sport, we can do just that. Now, let's get into another episode of the Young Player Wellbeing Podcast. We hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode. Uh, this is my first time being a uh, host for the season two, so I'm quite excited. I've got some big boots to fill because Brad did an amazing job last week. And uh, speaking of Brad, how are you getting on, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. No pressure, smashed out of the park last week, so we'll see how we get on, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now your ego is nice and uh, filled again. As yeah. uh, Michael did such a good job that last week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to know we're keeping you up there on that level. Um, yeah. This week again, of course, as will be the theme throughout this whole series, uh, we've got another really special and amazing guest on today's episode. Um, the guest in question started off at Blackpool Academy when he was younger. Um, he then was offered an apprenticeship contract at Blackpool um, Academy. Moving on from there, he went to Liverpool John Moores University and graduated uh, in a sport and exercise science degree. He then also got some experience as a coach at Active Soccer and then moved on to work at League Football Education as a transitions officer and careers lead. Anthony, how are you getting on, mate? And have I missed out anything there? No, thank you. Of course, everything there, Antonio. Thank you. Um, yeah, really appreciate it. And thanks for, thanks for having me on. Uh, that's brilliant. I think what's so special about this is we were just talking to Anthony before we started recording and um, there's so much that, that on, on the programmes that he's worked on that is really similar to what we've been doing at the Young Player Wellbeing Academy. So it's really exciting to have him on and I think there's going to be a really good um, discussion or some really good discussions had today. Um, so what we'll do, we'll, we'll get into it, same as we've sort of do with any of our guests. If you could just tell us a bit about your experiences in sport growing up, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess as you as you mentioned, I signed for for Blackpool Football Club at a, at a young age. I guess that was under thirteen, so I was around twelve, thirteen at the time when I signed. Um, before that, I guess as any young person who was interested in football, just played locally Saturday so Sunday football, played for school teams and stuff like that. Before I kind of stepped into the the academy system when I was pretty young. Um, yeah, went went right through that academy system up until I was sixteen, and yeah, you either at sixteen offered an apprenticeship or in other terminology a, a scholarship. I was lucky enough to be offered one from Blackpool, uh, which was yeah one of the I guess proudest moments of my career, if you like, particularly up up to that point. Um, and then the, a scholarship is a two year program, so between the ages of sixteen and eighteen. 
Um, I'm from Liverpool, as the accent probably gives away. Uh, so I moved up to Blackpool for two years, uh, lived in Diggs, which a lot of academy players do across across the country. Um, whilst you're, I guess, a scholar or, or an apprentice, as, as LFE like to, to, to call our, our students, uh, you, you study as well. So not only you're on a kind of full-time training model, training to become a professional footballer. Ultimately, you are in, you're in colleges one or two days a week as well, studying towards a, a sport, B-Tech. So I did that for two years. Um, when I was 18, um, the time comes where you're, you're either retained or released. So you're either offered a professional contract or, or, or you don't quite make that next step. And I guess, unfortunately for me, I, I didn't, didn't quite do that. So I didn't quite make the next step up to the, you know, the first team, reserve team. So I was released at 18. Um, dropped down into the semi-professional system in England and I've, I've kind of played semi-pro ever since now. I'm, I'm 25, so quite a few years ago since I, um, since I left my scholarship, or it seems seems like a long time ago. Yeah, so I've played kind of semi-pro ever since. Went into a, I guess, a sports degree, um, if, if you like, if I followed, followed suit from my, my BTEC that I did whilst I was a scholar. I uh, studied sports and exercise science at John Moores, graduated in 2019. And I've kind of been working at LFE for, for a long time now. So I've, I've been involved, you know, football, professional football on a sort of player side. And then also on the other side of it now, kind of working for, for a sort of key stakeholder within the game and, and hopefully, you know, improving and helping the academy system for EFL clubs and also Premier League as well uh, with some things that we work with those guys on. And, you know, specifically with my role now, kind of helping with transitions and career opportunities for, for the lads that we look after. So, yeah, I guess a brief overview of um, what I've done since, yeah, since I've been 13, really. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so much information there. It's like hard to sort of just choose one thing to pick on. But I think if we had to make sure we're working in chronolog- chronological order, um, we'll, we'll sort of come back to your experience as an athlete when you were sort of, growing up in the world of football and perhaps what was your experience obviously because this is a young player well-being podcast what was your experience of well-being or psychological support in in football when you were growing up yeah well I guess it certainly improved and even even though it's not that long ago since my kind of academy journey um it's moved on so much since when I was kind of in the, you know, in the younger age group. So when I was like 14, 15, which, you know, it wasn't really highlighted so much at, at that age. Whereas if I look at the provisions that we've, we've kind of got in place now, specifically with, within the LFA and also PFA and, and those type of guys, you know, it's, it's moved on astronomically since when I was, when I was, when I was involved. And I think once you do sign those apprenticeship forms or, or scholarship forms, uh, so when you're 16, it then become comes into the limelight a little bit more. So you're you're in every day, then you're training every day. You are doing certain sorts of life skills sessions. You're working on your personal development whilst you're training to become a professional footballer. Uh, you you are talking about transition and mental health and well-being and stuff like that. So the same from my experience, personal experience, there was certainly stuff going on uh, back then, uh, and there was a lot of support. I think that's key, whether that be from the club. Um, LFE, PFA, because I think that is a bit of a misconception, um, and I can kind of speak from from my own experience, from being an academy player and also now working within the game. That there is a lot of support out there, and and again, as I mentioned before, it's moved on a lot since I was since I was an academy player, and it's even moved on a lot since 
last season. So it's always constantly developing. There's always more sorts of provisions in place, further support provided to you know the academy players. So yeah, I guess in a roundabout way, that's that's my experience. It was it was certainly there. It was certainly spoken about, uh, but not not quite as much as it is as it is now. I think sport in general has kind of turned a corner, and and society, I guess, as well. Just you know, focusing on mental health and well-being is a, is a really big topic at the moment. So it's definitely changed for the better and it continued to improve, you know. So, Anthony, just if I'm hearing you right, mate, it was kind of like more the support there was that was in place was good, but it was like coming from like various different places as opposed to like one designated like well-being officer or yeah. sports psychologist or mental health lead, anything like that. Yeah, so again, that's something that's kind of improved more from when I was in the academy there, there wasn't necessarily that, that type of work particularly with with my academy so I, I was obviously at Blackwood which is a cat, category three academy so you've got sort of yeah. category one, which is you know your Manchester United's Liverpool Everton whoever it may be filtering down to category two and then category three which is the majority of academies within England and um, so that there wasn't really that type of role in terms of and when I'm thinking back now, there wasn't a sort of mental health lead or a psychologist. We would get them come in sort of externally to the club to kind of chat to, to the players. Um, but as, as you mentioned there, there's, there was kind of different avenues that that was coming out. And that, and that still exists now. But if I give you an example of something that's been in place for only a season now, each each club has a player care, a full-time player care lead in every single academy. Uh, back in, you know, going back to even two, three years ago, that was only prevalent in your sort of Cat 1 academies, whereas now Cat 3s and, and Cat 2s as well, as well as Cat 4s do have a full-time player care role, which is kind of designated to, to look after, you know, life skills, personal development, well-being, mental health too. Uh, a lot of clubs do have full-time psycholo- uh, psychiatrists as well, you know, psychologists. Mm. So that that wasn't necessarily the case when I was coming through. As I say, it's moved on a lot. Um you know, there are certain periods throughout the year where you would have review meetings with your club staff and then also LFE staff as well. So LFE staff would come in or PFA staff would come in and you'd have a review period and talk about these type of things. And then if there was any areas for concern, they can kind of deal with it or at least, you know, signpost you in, in the right direction. So it, it's moved on a lot. You know, we, we didn't have a full-time, as I say, designated person uh, to to do those type of roles and that's what I mean I guess football's heading absolutely in the right direction um, and, and improving all the time yeah yeah that's great I'm just interested because you mentioned it uh just just a little bit earlier on and um when I felt when I heard it I, my first instinct was call that must be intense I'm just wondering how you managed and how or how you managed sort of being in that environment where you're living in digs so you're constantly almost there at, at the academy and I guess for me that yeah it sounds like a very intense sort of place to be um so could you tell us a little bit more information about that and, and how you how, how your experience was yeah absolutely so I, I, it's a big step I guess for someone who's 16 so and I, and I suppose that's the side of football potentially people don't see as I say there's, there's lads or across the country who are doing this you know they're leaving home at 16 just from my my own experience we had lads from London who were you know traveling up and, and living in, in Blackpool so it's a big culture shift and um, I was quite lucky Blackpool's only a 
an hour away for me drive or you know an hour on the train so i'd go home on weekends uh, more often than not and i'd basically just stay kind of monday to saturday afternoon but the lads who were traveling you know further afield they they would be there for kind of six weeks before they get to go home so it is intense it's a i found i'd certainly found it difficult at the start um just you know being that age and you know not not being at home with your family and stuff like that um the, the digs for me was i think about a 20 minute drive into training as well yeah so you're, you're a little bit further afield um, from from kind of the academy um so yeah it was it was intense it, it's difficult it's a difficult step to make um really lo- from from my perspective we there were two of us living in the same digs um, and there was this host family who, who were lovely you know we couldn't i couldn't fault them in any way they make you feel really comfortable and uh, you know kind of do everything for you almost um so they, they really look after looked after me they looked after the the lads that i was living with too but it's tough yeah it's certainly tough you know you're, you're making a big step you're moving away from your family to kind of pursue this dream if you like which you know might not come to fruition by the time you're 18 so it's a tough one it's intense um but it's the kind of yeah it's the the motivation and desire you have to to want to ultimately be successful within football and i think that kind of you know leads you in good stead for for whatever you want to do in your life and it certainly has for me as well so it, yeah just to sorry just to answer your question tough intense um but you know looking back on it now an amazing experience really amazing experience to be able to to have done that i think like something that a lot of people that we speak to have been involved in the world of like elite sport or elite football like sacrifice is something that comes up all the time i think in scotland the sacrifice is probably often made by like of course it's made by the players but you might have parents who like drive their kids like up and down maybe to like say like an hour drive or something like that but i suppose it's a bit different down south something i've not really thought of where you might have have at blackpool you might have kids who are like from london or something like that they're gonna have to move away so for those two years, it is you that's making that kind of really big sacrifice. And, of course, that's going to be difficult for parents as well. I was, I was just wondering, like, does, how does that sacrifice impact your... Like, I suppose when you get told that you're no longer... You're not getting a professional contract. Like, how does that sacrifice weigh up like, against that? Yeah, I mean, that, it's a really good point. It's a really good point. I mean, my... Um, my parents were exactly the same as you just mentioned, you know, driving me up and down to Blackpool two or three times a week. Um, even going back to kind of playing, you know, Saturday and Sunday league, you know, they, my dad would always be there taking me to football. And then, you, as you say, you're chasing this dream up until you're 18 and then it, it doesn't quite happen for you. And it's hard. I think that this is a sort of battle that we have now, you know, from, from my own experience working with LFE. It's trying to separate, you know, the, it's difficult for the parents to not get invested as well in that, and they kind of living, living their dream ultimately through the through yeah. their. So if they, you know, if you don't quite make it or it doesn't quite happen, it's 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 as bigger sort of impact on them and it is on on their son or, or daughter, whatever it may be. So it, yeah, I mean, just from my own, I can only kind of speak from from my own experience. My my parents were, you know, as good as they possibly could have been as kind of academy football parents. You know, they left me left the coaches to do their job and uh, you know all the multidisciplinary team that were there in Blackpool they trusted the club when it time when the time comes from came for me to you know get that decision of being, me being released you know I, I certainly don't don't hold any grudges towards the coaches or anything like that it wasn't it was an amicable sort of decision if you like even though it was really tough on on me and my family so I, I think it definitely weighed 
yeah, it was a it was a cost that they they paid, I guess. Um, but I think as time has gone on, they they certainly look back the same as me on that period, and see it as kind of key for my development ultimately. And it, it's it's a kind of old cliche saying, isn't it? But kind of one door open it shuts, another door opens, and that's massively the case for me. You know, I I certainly wouldn't wouldn't be working for LFE now if I was not not an apprentice at Blackpool. So it it didn't quite work out for me, but you know. I, definitely applied myself in the right way I guess which has led to led to me role now um, and I think my parents my parents certainly recognise that and I'm kind of proud of the journey I guess yeah brilliant and I think what I find really interesting is obviously once you moved on from your time at Blackpool you sort of went straight in um, to university which is really quite impressive and quite a shift from obviously full-time football to then full-time university student um, but sort of before we get into that because we've had other guests make reference to their athlete versus non- non-athlete identity growing up did you find that perhaps you balanced this a little bit better than other footballers tend to do growing up and is, is that perhaps why you were able to move obviously at that door shut and move obviously yeah. towards the next door um, you know, if I if I were to speak completely truthfully, I I don't think I I don't think I did. And and now if I just go go to like the work that I do at LFE, we we often go I often go in sorry and and kind of speak to apprentices now within within our clubs and deliver sort of transition sessions. And, and I touch on a, a little bit about my journey. And I always say, you know, I I didn't really focus on some you know focus on anything other than football. I was really, really lucky that I had a kind of support network around me, whether that be family, friends, people at the club, people at the college, which kind of allowed me to smoothly transition, if you like. So I'll give you a, a kind of story. When I was, um, I think it was it was the day of the UCAS deadline in 2016. And I was, I, I guess, kind of lucky. I was always quite academic, done well in school and stuff. And I was on the, the higher BTEC um, course, so the extended diploma, it's called, which is the equivalent equivalent of 3A levels. And my college tutor at the time one was kind of pushing for me to apply for university. I hadn't you know, got the professional contract decision at that point. And I was so sort of adamant against it. I just was like, no, I'm not bothered. If I don't get a pro at Blackpool, it's fine. I'll go and play here or I'll, you know, get a job. It doesn't matter anyway, because I know I'm going to get a pro contract. That's kind of the mindset you have as a, as an athlete, as you say, that athletic identity. Um, my college user basically there or there about forced me to apply for university. Said, so just do it. You don't even have to go, but at least you know you can, you know, you've got that as an option behind you. And maybe it'll give you, you know, a bit of a, you know, a confidence boost almost in terms of knowing that you can get into university because you've never been through this process before. So I did it and um, got into John Moore's with kind of conditional offers. And then obviously for me, when I didn't get that pro contract, it was kind of already set in place. And then when I didn't manage to get myself back into full time football over that pre-season, it was a big, it was a big shift for me. If I think back to that period of time, I'll be in AC, and you know, I'd I'd always been a footballer, you know, right through my school life, and then I'd I'd kind of played full time for two years, and like anyone, really was like confident I would go on and get a pro contract, and it didn't work out for me, and I think it was, it was certainly an identity crisis. I think everyone kind of faces that when when you when you go into those sort of moments of transition and you, and you know you're not potentially going to be able to pursue this career that you've been chasing for your whole life. So it was certainly an identity crisis, but I think at some point, you know, you have to sort of realise within yourself, you know, take a moment to think, okay, well, 
I need to start looking at other things now. I need to maybe, you know, go and go and study at university, which it was for me. So it, it took a little while, but it was almost it was almost forced from my perspective. I felt like I, I needed to do, you know, it hadn't worked out in football. It was almost like, you know, what, what am I going to do now? I, I kind of need to do this. So moving from going straight into university, yeah, it was a, it was a shock going back into kind of full-time education. It took me a while to get used to it. But it was ultimately kind of the best decision I ever made, really. You know, I, I did pretty well in my degree. Um, you know, if I, if I didn't study at university, would I then, you know, be here now working at LFE? I'm not too sure. So certainly, you know, Steve, his name was on my college teacher in Blackpool, uh, college tutor, sorry. I owe him a lot, really. To kind of, That's what I mean. I go back to what I said there, having that kind of support network because, you know, you are only 18, 17 years of age. You don't you know, you do need some advice, you need some support, some guidance. And I certainly had that. Um, and I, as, as I mentioned before, I, I definitely, at 18, didn't have all the answers. I weren't really focusing on anything other than football. So that's why I'm really passionate now and about, you know, if I ever do speak to someone who's in kind of the same position as me, you know, think about your transition now, think about your own personal developments outside of football as well as inside football. Because it's going to benefit you further down the line and, and also benefit you now while she's still playing. So, yeah, definitely faced a bit of a identity crisis for a period of time, but was pretty much forced to just shift my, you know, view of myself ultimately. I'd, I'd gone from this footballer to a, a semi-professional footballer and a student and doing bits of part-time work. So it was it was really, you know, a necessity almost. Yeah, it's great. And you, just because you sort of referenced it a little bit um, earlier on, you said that you spent some time playing sort of semi-professional level. Um, and of course, there's going to be a lot of players that will follow that similar route. Um, so I'm just wondering if you can share some of the experience you had moving from an academy setting and academy level to then going across to a perhaps semi-pro team um, and just what the what how you experienced that and perhaps how yeah. you also managed to cope with that with such a shift yeah I struggled I'll be, I'll be brutally honest I really struggled and I was very very naive going into the sort of semi-professional non-league setting you know I came from Blackpool which who were a championship club I think for the whole time of me being an apprentice so you know pretty high level I guess and I was really naive to the levels in non-league and they've, they've only got better and better since I've since I've left. So my kind of journey coming out of an academy, I didn't have an agent or anything. So I was kind of relying on coaches within Blackpool to set up trials for me and stuff. And, and nothing nothing really materialised. And I was kind of in the mindset of oh, it'll all just kind of fall into place. And, you know, it, it didn't really. So I, I ended up getting a trial at Southport, who were in the National League at the time. Um, but they, they didn't have a kind of... Basically, if you if you were to play for Southport in Southport squad, you know they had a small squad. They didn't have a big budget. You pretty much have to be ready to play national league or at least be on the bench and possibly come on. And I was only eighteen coming out of an academy setup. And if I was to be completely honest with myself, I probably wasn't ready to to do that. And there's not many eighteen year olds that that probably are. So I was really naive. I remember coming out to Blackpool thinking it's okay. I'll just go and play in the national league. And it's just it's just not really not the case, or it certainly wasn't the case for me. Um, so then I kind of fit, dropped further and further down the leagues. Eventually found myself playing, I think, step five in, in the semi-pro before I actually got me, got me, you know, sort of nailed down a, a position where I was playing regularly. And by that point, I'd played for three teams. So Southport, I went to Schem- Schemersdale United for about three months, but couldn't really 
find a spot in the team. Barely played, was on a bench a lot. Then went to Bersco. Um, these are all kind of local teams to me. Again, did, didn't really nail down a spot. And then I eventually ended up at Little, Little and Remica, which is literally 10 minutes away from, from where I live now. And they were step five in the non-league. And I, I started playing regularly. But the actual standard, even at, even at Remica, was... Uh, was brilliant to be honest with you. You know, men's first experience in men's football. But if you would have told me that six months prior when I was at Blackpool that I would have been playing step five for Amica, you know, I wouldn't have believed it. But that was just myself being sort of naive and not not having the sort all the information available to me. Maybe not having guidance myself at that point in terms of you know what my next step should be. So I found it really really difficult, and I, and I didn't really establish myself until. <sighs> The new year, so the season starts obviously in in July, and it, it took me a good sort of six months to to really get used to it all. And even then, it you know it was still a sort of teething process and, and learning as I went along. Um, so so it was tough. And my advice to anyone who's coming out of an academy system now is you know certainly don't turn your nose up at, at semi-professional football or, or non-league football. And as I said earlier, you know the the standards only got a lot better since I kind of come out come out of the system a few years back now. So I would always recommend lads, you know, just go and play men's football, play, you know, whether it be step five, step four, step three, whatever level, you know, you're at at that age, just go and play experienced men's football. And also you'd be very, very surprised that, you know, how many real top players are playing at that level. A lot of lads, I guess, similar to myself, who have not quite made the step up to pro football and I've just settled for playing part-time, if you like. So that would always be my advice when I'm speaking to, to young players now. Yeah, brilliant. I think what's so amazing about that story there is obviously it takes a lot of resilience to deal with so many almost setbacks there. So you mentioned going and trialling at quite a number of clubs. Obviously, you started off and then moved the way down to uh, mm-hmm. step five, you said there. And yeah. how you know, were there any skills you pulled in? You've mentioned earlier you had an amazing support network around you. So I'm just wondering what alongside such a good support network was there anything else that you did to really help you almost cope with all these setbacks and all these changes that were going on yeah yeah I mean I think it's just as you as you mentioned mentioned a little earlier it was just I I guess to an extent the sort of skills that I picked up from Mm -hmm. in sort of the soft skills I should say or transferable skills you know being able to deal with change resilience determination i guess confidence as like sort of someone who's 18 going into a, a changing room you know full of 25 year olds 30 year olds who have all got full-time jobs and are you know are playing on a weekend to, to earn a bit of bit of extra money and stuff like that so i think it was the skills that i picked up from being within the academy being at blackpool allowed me to sort of transition a little bit more smoothly I guess and and be able to make those steps and be confident enough to go and try new things and and again as you mentioned the support network around me so I had I had friends who were who were kind of similar to me who'd been through the academy system and been released as well at 18 so they were they were on a really similar journey to me they were you know struggling to find the feet whether that be in a professional game or semi-professional so it was leaning on those you know leaning on those guys for guidance you know bits of advice um you know sharing and experiences and stuff like that and i think that's what got me through it i think um and then as i mentioned before it wasn't a it wasn't an easy process it took it took a long time before i was like really comfortable in in a team and i was playing regularly probably till the season after um and, and i kind of found the love for the game again i think that's a common term that you guys probably came across yeah. many times you know losing the love once you you know you go through this academy process 
it's very very professional and then hopefully and then potentially you don't get the the thing that you've been trying to get for your whole life so you do lose a little bit of motivation ambition love of the game and I kind of rediscovered that if you like um probably a season later probably when I was kind of 20 um, and I think a lot I speak to guys now and they you know exact going through the exact same experience as me you know just demotivated you know losing a bit of ambition their love for the game so it's just sticking at it it's just having the sort of willpower and desire to, to stick at it keep playing and hopefully at some point you, you find yourself finding your level you know moving up the leagues whatever that may be but I think just yeah I've, I've got to a stage now in my life where I just play just because I want to enjoy it again you know I don't 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 necessarily have an ambition to progress on and you know go and pursue that sort of professional career anymore but if I ever play football now whether it be with friends or whether it be on a Saturday or Sunday it's just purely to, to enjoy myself and I think that's really important to be honest with you. Amazing and already some really good words of wisdom and advice that you've um, dropped there and I mean we've not even moved on to you know your almost I guess specialty now um, but sort of looking now we've spoken about your your career in football growing up and we've spoken a little bit about transitioning across to um, university and uh, I guess the next sort of step is when did you start thinking about a career outside of playing football? Yeah um, I would say probably yeah second year of university maybe it was sort of you know I'd been out of the academy setting for over a year probably realised to myself I wasn't wasn't going to get back up into the professional game. Maybe didn't have the desire to either. At that point, I was quite happy playing part-time and studying and I was just going to kind of see see where that led me. So it, it then kind of, I guess, dawned on me, you know, I need to really think about what I want to do after I finish university. And I was really lucky, really, really lucky. So the way I kind of got my job now at LLFE, um, the we, LFE have a, a set of regional officers that are tasked with looking after clubs across the country. So we'll have a, a regional officer that looks after the London clubs, a regional officer that will look after the clubs in the northeast, and then likewise the northwest. So my regional officer at the time at Blackpool was a guy called Simon Williams, who's now life skills manager at LFE, and I work really closely with Simon. Um, and it was going into my third year at university, and I wasn't really sure what I was going to do when I graduated in a year's time but luckily I kind of stayed in touch with Simon and um, he messaged me and just said there was a kind of part-time placement over the summer if I wanted to come in and you know a bit of a foot in the door if you like so I did that for a couple of months um, and then at the end of the placement which was from July to September when I started my third year at university um, was pretty I'd say about a month later I had a conversation with Dan Jolly who's, who's my line manager now um, about starting working full-time for LFE. So I went in and studied alongside, um, study, sorry, started working at LFE alongside my studies for that th final year at university. And I went, once I graduated in May 2019, kind of went straight into a, a full-time role. So I guess that goes back to, you know, one door closes, another door opens a little bit, and also building and maintaining connections within football. So I, as I mentioned, you know, I wouldn't be where where I am now in terms of working for LFE if it wasn't for, you know, that scholarship at Blackpool ultimately. So it didn't work out for me in football, but it allowed me to, you know, work with Simon, stay in touch with Simon, and it's ultimately led to a, a career within the game, which I'm really, really grateful for. So, yeah, I mean, just to go back to answer your question, I, I started thinking about it when I was kind of twenty, I would say, 
and then fe- as a lot of people do, just kind of fell into the role, and I've I've been here ever since. I think it's a good point that like for our player, any young players listening, is like do the placements. Like when you go to uni, like do the placement because it is that foot in the door. You might yeah. think it's pointless, but I remember I did mines in fourth year. I did mines at Dundee United Community Trust. Mm-hmm. Um, with Dr. Michael Malone, who we had on the podcast last week. So I, that's a connection that I've built from yep. my time as a student. And, um, you know, Michael gave me a reference to get into the Masters. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, you never know without that. I might not have had anyone, and then I've still got a good relationship with him now. And, mm-hmm. you know, you pick up skills for doing these things as well. And I think, Anthony, you're a great example of, like, best case what can happen if you're in there just yeah. be persistent and eventually they might just give you might they might give you a job just keep keep knocking on the door basically in it yeah absolutely absolutely and, and even another i guess a bit of bit of advice to, to any go back to kind of people in the academy system now is you know really invest yourself in everything that's going on within within the club you know you there's, there's so many examples of lads who don't quite make it in football but end up coaching for example at the club that they did the scholarship at and I, Suppose my journey a little bit different, kind of going on and working at LFE, but you know connections within within life, but within football and sports are, are so key. And I think there's you know there's, there's so many people out there that wouldn't wouldn't have been down there, gone down their path if it wasn't for you know working with people, getting those type of recommendations, as you say, Bradley, or going down the placements and stuff. So yeah, if if you're a young person now listening to this, you know be be kind of. I guess attentive to the people around you, the support that's around you. Take the sort of risk, go into the placements, you know, maintain relationships, connections, stay in touch, because you never know where it could potentially lead you. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, we've already started talking about it now, but um, of course, the LFA stands for League Football Education. Um, and could you just give us a little bit more information about the aims of the League Football Education or LFA? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So we. League Football Education was established in 2004 by the PFA and EFL, uh, basically tasked with looking after education and welfare for academy players um, within the Football League. Uh, so it fluctuates every season, but we're currently looking after 63 clubs uh, within the Football League pyramid. And, you know, the the main, you know, the, the organisation is very apprentice-centred, I think is the best way to describe it. So, Everyone within the organisation is is dedicated and, and tasked with, you know, providing football league apprentices with the best possible experience, support, and provisions whilst they are completing their apprenticeship. Um, so whether that be, you know, the education side of things, so the BTEC, which is you know kind of funded to ourselves, whether that be support with player care so life skills personal development assisting with transition whatever that may be you know everyone who's working within the organization obviously including myself is you know really passionate and, and dedicated to you know creating the best possible experience for our for our young learners ultimately and young people and you know hopefully you know a real big aim of ours and and, and key goal is to you know not only develop good footballers but develop good people as well on and off the pitch um, and I think you know the the lads that we that we look after the the learners that we look after are, you know a, a living proof of that you know the really confident you know young young men young men and women we have I should have mentioned earlier as well we have we have two sides to the organisation so we have the apprenticeship side which is the kind of elite 
football side, so that's the, the scholarships. And then we have the community trust as well. Uh, we, we don't look after all the community trusts. We only look after the handful. Uh, so we have we have two separate programmes. We have the community trust study programme and also the apprenticeship. And, yeah, so a lot of good people working at LFE just kind of, yeah, hopefully bettering the academy system, I guess. Can I just ask, Anthony, well, you know, you mentioned the, the BTEC. So is the BTEC and uh, sport or what do the guys... You know, yeah. like, could you do like what if? I mean, probably at that age you don't. But what if they wanted to do like history or yeah. like English or something like that? Or yeah, is it like a sport B Tech that the LFE offer? Yeah, so it's mandatory to do the sports B Tech, and you're completely right. That's a a kind of real key argument, and it's probably one that I would have had when I was kind of sixteen. And you know, by if I wasn't offered a scholarship at Blackpool and just went to a sixth form locally, would I have done sport? I, I probably would not, to be honest with you. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a key point, but what's kind of changed from my time coming through is you can now do A levels as well alongside of it, and there's more and more doing A levels. And whilst so it's mandatory to do the B tech, but if you have got a kind of key interest in business or maths or mm. English or whatever it is, you can do an A level alongside that, and that is still funded through LFE. There's a lot more access now to for apprentices to kind of study what they want to study it's mandatory for them to do the sport b-tech and then ultimately get the the full apprenticeship with the, the full apprenticeship is called the sporting excellence profession um and then incorporated in that is the sport b-tech if you like and as i said every year we have more and more lads opting to do a levels as well which is really good to be honest with you and i think it shows a real shift in the in the kind of culture of football just in general that we've got you know more and more players coming through the academy system are you know really keen to further their education and kind of know the importance of education as well and then not just be a you know a chore or a token gesture so it is mandatory you do have to do it but we've got guys who are kind of choosing to do more as well which is amazing to see and i think if i was coming through now i'd probably look to do something like that as well you know pick you know a subject that i was interested in and, and doing a level in it as well so yeah it's a good point it's a really good point and a good i mean it's a key argument, I think, and I think football is kind of heading in the right direction. Yeah, great. Very interesting conversation. And just in, from like your own personal um, role at the club, your obviously transitions officer and is it careers lead as well? Yes. Yeah. So what what um what sort of work does that entail? Yeah. So basically, if I, I guess in a in a roundabout nutshell. LFE have a player care programme which is available to all of our clubs, yeah, so all 63 that are on programme now. Uh, the three kind of pillars that make up player care within LFE are life skills. So we have a set of life skills workshops which are funded through us that are available to the clubs and they can kind of book these workshops in. Um, you know, organisations like Kick It Out, Sport and Chance, um, Gambling Awareness uh, workshops, you know, th those sorts of key life skills topics pretty much and then the other side of it is the personal development mentoring program so the first year apprentices so that that's what i should have mentioned earlier that the scholarship is kind of set up into first year and second years the first years have access to a personal development mentoring program so we have a, a mentor who is kind of employed by lfe going and deliver a six workshop mentor program if you like you know talking about other hobbies and interests, uh, transferable skills, goal setting, all those type of sort of key key areas, and, and focusing on yourself. You know, not just as the footballer, but as the person too. 
And then the, the final pillar is transition, which is kind of what I lead in. Uh, so that includes, you know, career opportunities, education opportunities, whether that be in the UK or particularly in America as well. So a real kind of key, I guess, transition pathway for, for our lads is going over to the States and, and studying a sports scholarship. So that's really, really popular. Um, setting up things like careers events. Uh, we have assessment trials as well, so or, or extra trials and other terminology. So guys who are released at the end of their apprenticeship will we'll put on assessment trials for them and hopefully try and facilitate some trials. Um, so that's kind of where I sit. So I, I look after transition at LFE and it's it's at a national sort of level. So I look after the provision for you know all of the clubs across the country for LFE provisions. But you know, clubs are off doing their own thing as well is, is a key a key thing to mention here. So the the clubs lean on LFE for support and for provisions and, and workshops and stuff like that. But the clubs off absolutely have their own transition programs and have their own life skills programs and you know personal development programs, whatever that may be. But they have the LFE, you know, set of provisions to, to lean into and I, I'm specifically kind of tasked with looking after transition as a whole. Um I guess another thing to kind of mention, and I suppose a lot of people probably won't know this, um, we have a tracking and monitoring programme as well. Uh, you may have seen, I don't know if you've seen the thing that Crystal Palace do where they kind of track and support the lads for three years. Um, we that That's now a rule within football, so every club has to do that. But LFE have always been doing it since the kind of inception of LFE. So every time... Um, when a lad kind of progresses through the system and completes their apprenticeship, we'll track them for three years. We'll stay in touch with them for three years, uh, which literally involves me or one of my colleagues calling them up, finding out, you know, what they're doing at the moment, whether they're, you know, a professional footballer now, whether they're in university, whether they're in the States, whether they're a plumber, no matter what they're doing, uh, making a note of what they're doing so we can kind of keep a record of that. And then also offering support and advice. So if, if there is a lad who is kind of stuck in limbo a little bit with what his next steps are or needs some advice on, you know, what course to study at university, for example, that's kind of where, where we'll step in and, and, you know, lean on different partnerships that we create or signpost them towards the PFA or, or, or something along those lines. So, yeah, th there's a ton of different things going on within the kind of player care world at, at LFE. And it's only getting bigger and bigger, which is really positive. I think player care is going to be... You know, one of the kind of key, the key pillars of, of football. Uh, you know, both at first team level and also academy level. Um, and yeah, I, the, my main area is is transition, which is, I guess, you know, something I'm really passionate about because I've made that transition. You know, I didn't go on and get a professional contract or have a, a first team career. So something I'm really, really passionate about. Yeah. Such great knowledge um, that you're sort of sharing there, and you know, really good insights as well into how. Um, players are supported moving through their their careers um what's interesting as well is you know, how do you find sort of the player versus parent engagement when it comes to your work at the LFE yeah well I think it's key it's one of the main things that we try and push and uh, so we, we we run we run a ton of different things for parents whether that be kind of online webinars and uh, specific parents evenings that the regional officers will run uh, you know communications via email via tele telephone whatever it may be just keeping the parents in the loop i guess with everything that we're doing and the support that's available to their to their son um so it, it's a real key thing that we that we try and push it varies i guess you know i think the I think the difference between parents and players is that, you know, the parents are a lot more kind of open to 
talking about transition and, and talk, you know, if I be a bit selfish and talk about my own area, you know, they are they are really keen to know what support is out there for their son if if that decision is a no. You know, if you know what can they do? It can we help them with university? Can we help them with different courses or funding or, or whatever that may be? So it does vary. Um, from my experience with you know dealing with parents, you know, really retentive, you know, really kind of open to you know the support that's available and do really lean on the support. Um, and we, you know, we we try and make sure that if we're you know, sending some information out to a player or an apprentice that we make the parents aware of exactly what's going on as well. Just so there's two avenues of, of the information going in. And, you know, sometimes it's it sort of 17, 18 year old apprentice. It might not listen to a, to a call that you've had with them or forget something that you've mentioned in a workshop or something like that. So it's really key that we're, you know, the parents and player, you know, the information is going into the parents and players, sorry, if I should say. And it's getting better and better. We're doing more and more with parents. Um, parents are engaging more every season as well. So it's certainly it's certainly heading in the right direction for sure. Yeah, brilliant. And I think we've also absolutely grilled you with your job. I promise you it's not a, it's not a job interview here. That's all good stuff. We'll start moving away from sort of your specific role in a second, I promise. But um, just because obviously it is sort of your speciality, what are the first steps that, a player should take when thinking about possible sort of future careers yeah really really good point and i don't think there's a sort of right or wrong way to go about it and, and my advice to any kind of young player was would like not be too hard on yourself firstly i don't think any of us really know well i say this and um, obviously the lads are you know so determined to become professional footballers to think about something else could be completely foreign to someone, you know, they might ne- never have ever thought of anything else other to become a footballer. So I think a big one is, you know, if, you, if you're a 17-year-old lad now coming through the academy system, um, you know, don't be hard on yourself if you don't know what you want to do when you retire, because, uh, you know, not many of us do, ultimately. Um, but my absolute advice to them would be to kind of focus on your other interests as well no matter what they might be but you know you might have a keen interest in business you might have an interest in education you know it might be something completely different you might you know one of your family members might have a trade and you know you might see that as a potential career path just look into things you know be you know explore different avenues get all you know lean on your support network whether that be people at the club whether that be people at the pfa lfe premier league whoever that may be you know ask questions find out if you're interested in coaching, you know, speak to the coach at the, at the club, find out what qualifications he had, find out how he got on the courses, you know, how much did it cost them, how did he, how did he fund it, all those type of things. So, yeah, my, that would be, you know, my key bit of advice would be, you know, don't don't just see yourself as the, the footballer, which, you know, a lot of us fall into the trap of doing, you know, there's so much more to you than just being an athlete and, and we go back to kind of that athletic identity that we spoke about a little earlier but there's so many you know more sorts of strings to your bow or, or tools in your arsenal and um, you know focus on yourself as a person look into your personal development if you are interested in a specific course or you've got a hobby you know focus you know look into it focus on it you know, hone, hone a skill whatever it may be um, and you know potentially that may lead into a career path later down the line and if it doesn't then that's not a big deal you know that's not at least you've looked into it at least you've tried at least you've you know enjoyed yourself doing it do, doing you know looking into these things as well so so that would be my my sort of advice you know you're not meant to have all the answers at 17 18 but what you can do with your time 
is explore other interests, explore hobbies, you know, look into different careers. Uh, it might not be for you. You might stumble across something that you think, wow, this looks so exciting. I wouldn't mind doing this as a career or I wouldn't mind, you know, signing up to disqualification. Um, so, yeah, that would be my advice. Look into other things. If you've got any other hobbies and interests, um, don't be af- afraid to explore them. Yeah, really good. I really like that idea again. Obviously, it all comes back to that athletic identity versus, you know, non athletic identity and making sure that you are exploring both. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that goes for everyone. You get some people that, you know, you get too sucked into your um, education and at school and especially around exam periods, you can see people like their well-being really drops because the only thing they can think about and the only thing they fixate on is is those grades and getting and doing well in exams and that's uh it's it makes sense that it goes both ways in in life especially when when involved in sport um so yeah really good really good advice really good analogy i guess exactly what you just mentioned there antonio you know if you've and we we kind of use this at at lfe um if you've got a, a table which only has kind of one leg and that that one leg gets taken away so that one leg is your football career you know the kind of table is going to come crashing down but if you've got you know four legs to the table five legs whatever it may be and one comes away but you've got all these other different avenues of support or different bits of interest that you're you know you're exploring within your life you're going to be a lot you know more stable ultimately so yeah it's it's exactly how you just mentioned there you know we can this can be sort of you know, described in any aspect of life, whether that be education at school or, or friendships, family, whatever it may be. So, no, really, really good point, mate. Yeah. I love that analogy. It's definitely something that I'm going to use in the future. I saw Brad having a little write down there as well. <laughs> yeah, I just wrote a table metaphor down on my bit of paper here. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a common one in LFE, I have to say. <laughs> oh, great. I'll uh, I'll make sure I reference where I got it from if I do use it in the future. But um. <laughs> Just uh, again, moving through and stepping away from obviously your your direct sort of role. Um, how have you found? I think we have already discussed this a little bit, but sort of how do the skills that you learn in football translate to the skills that you've found that you have needed in life? Um, we talk constantly to the players on the program about how the skills they have developed. You know, uh, you said they're showing sort of dedication to keep going when you were trying to find a club to join at some at semi pro level um having that yeah just like you know real resilience to keep working or um having those communication skills and you know being able to lean on your social support networks um yeah how how have those skills translated to the skills that you so, so the skills in football translate to the skills you need in life honestly honestly kind of invaluable i think to really really have been and it's something that I guess whilst you're whilst you're playing, just goes on in the background. You don't even know that you're really developing these skills. And it took, I think, the first time that I really sort of was aware. Okay, this, you know, the experiences I've, I've had previously have allowed me to to do this. Was when I was coaching. So I know you mentioned earlier I coach for Active Soccer, which is kind of just like a local coaching organisation in Liverpool. You you go out to primary schools and deliver sort of after school clubs, lunchtime sessions and stuff like that. Um, and I was 19 and 20 at the time of me sort of working for Active Soccer. And I was coaching, you know, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, up to 11-year-olds. And that was probably the moment where I kind of stepped back and realised, wow, I probably wouldn't be able to do this if I hadn't, you know, been th- been through my journey, if you like, in an academy. So I wouldn't have the, the confidence, the sort of communication skills, um, I guess the the knowledge of football just in general. So you would you would 
you know, whilst you are an apprentice, you do a UEFA C license. It was called the Level Two Coaching Football when I was coming through. So, firstly, I wouldn't have the, the qualifications to be able to do do that job, but I certainly wouldn't, you know, be able to coach these sort of young young kids in schools if it wasn't for for what I'd been through. So, yeah, it's been. I don't think I would have been able to do, you know, any of the roles that I've done um, if it wasn't for that experience. And then even just, you know, in, in your own personal life, uh, being able to, as, as you mentioned, uh, communicate with friends, family, you know, sociable, you know, being sociable in different environments, being able to change as well and, and sort of move through different challenges in life, no matter what they may be, whether that be professionally or personally. You know, all, all these skills that you pick up through the, sort of sports journey or the academy journey for myself. Um, you know, they, they stick with you for life, in my opinion. Um, and I think it's kind of proven that, you know, you know, I certainly wouldn't be the kind of person I am today if it wasn't it wasn't for those experiences. So I owe a lot to it, for sure. I owe a lot to it. And um, as, as I said there, I don't think, you know, if you're 17 or 18 year old or, or even 14, 15, 13, 12, but whatever you may be in the academy system now, you, you don't really realise it. You don't really realise the skills that you're picking up. And it took me until I was like 20 to kind of realise that. And it's something that I preach now if I ever speak to a, a young player is, you know, everything that you are doing now, all the experiences you're gaining, you know, you, you're going to be using them when you're 30 years of age or 25 years of age, 40 years of age. It's going to stick with you for life. And you, and you don't really realise it because you're just kind of developing them as, as you go along. And it was, you know, it was certainly no different to me. Yeah, I think that's why I like, reflection so important when you get to a certain stage of your football career to have a look back and say you know this is actually what I've achieved regardless of whether I'm getting offered that professional contract or not and of course it might seem like the end of the world but there will be a point whether that's like yourself Anthony when you turn 20 and you go oh my god I've picked up all these skills and this is what's actually helped me get into uni and this is what's going to help me get a job in the future so yeah reflection is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's not a lot of time to sort of reflect within the, the sport industry. It's so fast moving. I guess I sort of specifically speak about football here, uh, but it's so fast paced. You know, you're always thinking about the next training session, the next game. If for me, I was always thinking about, you know, the next contract, the scholarship, then the professional contract. So, you, you know, you don't really have any time to reflect on what you have actually achieved. And I think if kind of more athletes, do that if you do actually think back you know what this has been my journey look and i can look back on them you know what i've accomplished so far i think you know to be a lot to be a lot more sort of forgiven and and what more easy on themselves i guess and i certainly would have been if i if i had the you know the sort of awareness to to think back on, on my career when i was kind of 17 18 but you know it's difficult when you're in that environment to to really take a moment to think back on it and as you mentioned, it took me a couple of years out of the academy system to to really notice that, to be honest. Yeah, really great. And what I really like that I'm picking up here as well is almost changing that perspective of, oh, I didn't get my contract. Like, admit that was a waste of time. Actually, it's not been a waste of time at all because like we've just been saying here, you've just picked up so many life skills. You picked up, you know, things that uh, real crucial things that you carry with you for the rest of your life and skills that you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life resilience that you would have developed and as we said you know ability to sort of be able to be a leader and uh, deal with social situations because you have been working with a team to an, an elite level um so yeah really great and again a really good conversation um 
moving forward and uh, I guess going back towards a bit more of a well-being focused side of things um, what were your or what are your three top tips if you have them um, for looking after your well-being Ooh. good question good question um, and, and I think it, it varies for for everyone I guess it depends what type of person you are um, I think a big a big tip of mine um, specifically within the sort of sports industry or, or athlete focused and I mentioned it a little bit earlier is you know have more sort of tools in your arsenal more strings to your so don't, don't and I was certainly guilty of this don't let your sports or you know within my case football completely consume your life you know when you're there to you're there for the job you're there to train and become a professional footballer or whatever your you know whatever your sport is but don't let it consume your life, you know, look into other things, have other interests and, and don't be guilty, you know, don't feel guilty for doing that uh, because it does eventually, it can potentially consume you and it certainly did for me at different stages of my career. So that would be a, a big tip of mine. Uh, secondly would be, you know, utilise your support network and I think that's, a, I guess, a key a key term that's come up throughout this this podcast. But whether that, it doesn't necessarily have to be anyone with a, you know, a sort of formal title, if you like. It doesn't have to be a psychiatrist. It can be family. It can be friends, people within the club. It doesn't have to be a, a set meeting as well. So you don't have to, you know, book in an hour slot with someone. Just have conversations with, with those around you. You know, if you are struggling with something, um, if you're finding something tough, tough, you know, personally or professionally, whatever it may be, you know, be open to conversations, be open to support, be open to guidance. Um Particularly within within the football setting, you know, you've got you've got so many members of staff with areas of expertise who are all pretty much tasked with you know supporting you through your journey. So don't be don't be afraid to kind of open up, have those conversations if you are struggling or if you are you know if you if you need someone to to talk to ultimately. So they, I think they'd be the two two main ones from my perspective and then I guess just going back to what we were talking about before kind of reflect on what you've already accomplished and and we spoke about before kind of changing the idea of success or challenging the idea of success Um, I think if you're in an elite academy environment in football or within sport you know you're already a success story now no matter whether you go and play in the Premier League 500 times or go and win the Champions League or you just end up playing semi-professional football and you get a trade alongside it or you go to university alongside that you know you're already a success and um, so yeah take moments to reflect as well on actually what you've accomplished and what you can potentially go on to accomplish within sport and also just you know in your own life personally so yeah long-winded three three top tips but that's great <laughs> yeah, really great really good advice and i particularly liked the when we spoke about reaching out to that and utilizing your social support network but not having to do it in formal settings because again you know i think what some of the players benefited from on the program that we've been that we've been working on the last year is that a lot of the stuff we did was through just Instagram messaging and it allowed for that sort of informal conversation just how you getting on mate all right how's your week been they can say oh it's been rubbish it's been good there's not that formal thing of you have to have something to talk about it has to be something dramatic that that's happened actually a lot of time it's just the small things you just want to get off your chest or it's just something that's been weighing on your mind in that day and you just want to vent about it it makes big differences and I think we a lot of people don't realize that so yeah really good that you picked up on it I think where I think where a lot of the best sort of conversation comes from as well those sorts of informal chats that just kind of happen you know everyone's different everyone is different but you know if if it is a kind of formal 
set, you know, you're going into a, a meeting or something like that, or a, an hour slot with your coach or whatever it may be, you know, you may be a little bit more reluctant to open up. Uh, whereas if you just have a conversation with someone in the chat, you know, you ask, how are you? You know, how are things going? Probably where you get the most, you know, the the best rate of success, I guess, in terms of, you know, providing support you know, or being, you know, open to, to support. So I think that's a real key one, yeah. Yeah, great. Uh, as we start coming towards the end, we've got uh, one final question. But just before we get on to that one, um, a lot of our guests do come on. And they say because we we almost are reflecting on to touch on that uh, last one, but we are almost reflecting on your almost life story and, and all the experiences you've gone through. So I think a nice question that we've sort of started adding in is if you do have one or, or if you do have a couple that you can think of on the spot, and you've already made reference, I think, to um the the person that helped you at college and sort of gave you the nudge to go to university but um who were the biggest influences on on you growing up well, yeah i mean from from my own personal journey i think we, we've mentioned before both things like family so parents absolutely driving you to training to you know for, for me to blackpool which is such a big commitment um you know they they were certainly a big influence on me and some you know someone i looked up to still look up to of course yeah, so definitely, you know, family, friends as well. You know, I've got a lot of friends from who I'm still friends with now from from school, and and a, a couple of those guys have been on the same journey as me and the academy sort of background and not being offered professional contracts. So certainly those guys. Yeah, college, my college tutor Steve Leg. I owe him a lot. So um, you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been at university, and I wouldn't have graduated when I did. Potentially, wouldn't have ended up with uh, with with the job at LFE. Um, and then also a, a big one as well. I think I mentioned them earlier to start the call, but Simon Williams, so the life skills manager now at LFE, it would be a brilliant um, guest for you to have on the on the podcast. So I'll, I'll certainly mention it to Simon. Uh, but Simon obviously was my regional officer and definitely owe a lot to Si. Um, yeah, I mean, firstly looking after me when I was kind of 17, 18, going through that academy system to now be, you know, kind of facilitated the... The, the opportunity for me to come in and work at LFE and now I work really closely with them in within player care. So yeah, Simon, Simon's certainly been a big, big influence. And th there's probably like there's probably a ton more that, you know, within my own life that I can't can't think of off the top of my head. But they're they're certainly ones that, that spring to mind, certainly. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, I'm sure all of them will if they do listen to this, they'll you know they'll really value that you've mentioned them and you've thought about them. And as you say, it's it's almost impo an impossible task to be able to mention everyone. I think I'd be here for hours if I did that. Um so yeah, and the, the final question as we look to wrap it up, and it's um one that we consistently ask, and you've already given loads of advice out, but any advice you give to young players or young athletes? Yeah, I mean, as you say, yeah, mentioned mentioned a couple of things, but I think the big one is just just kind of enjoy enjoy the journey you know be be receptive of those around you whether they be coaches whether that be player care staff you know psychologists physios nutritionists whatever it may be you know be open to all the advice and guidance that's available to you enjoy you know it, it, I'll, I'll go back to kind of the, the industry that, that i'm in within football if you're in an elite academy setting and you're you're on a scholarship at, at a club within the within the efl there's not many people who can say that they've ever been on that journey you know it's, it's a handful of people throughout the past however many years so be be proud of what you've accomplished uh, so far um as i say enjoy it as well because i think the one thing within you know within sports and uh, in particular football it's, it's not a long career no matter what what age you leave professionally even if you do go on and 
as you say, you play in the Premier League, you, you know, you're going to retire when you're 34, 35, if you have a really good career. So enjoy it. Um, yeah, be open to information, advice, guidance, support from, you know, people around you. And also, you know, I guess think of yourself as, as more than more than an athlete and more, more than a, more than a footballer. Uh, we all kind of fall into the trap of, you know, only seeing ourselves as this this athlete. This and I certainly did. I only saw myself as a as a kind of footballer. And then, you know, it, it took me a while to kind of realise how much more there was to to myself and my personality. So yeah, they're the three things I think that I would mention. You know, enjoy enjoy the opportunity, enjoy the journey. Um, be open to support, advice, whatever it may be, um, and also just be aware that there's a lot more to you than just your professional sports career. You know, and there's there's, there's a there's a whole whole you know whole different you know part of your life that you should you know really focus on and look into, as well as trying to become a a professional footballer. Yeah, brilliant. Amazing advice um, to finish it off with. And I think the last part is because obviously we have had you on here and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on here. So thank you very much for joining. But is there anything that you would like to sort of share um, with the audience around, uh, I don't know, perhaps stuff, stuff within the LFE that you think would be great if people sort of knew more about? Um, this is your time um, for you to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank, thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciated you having me on. It really, you know, good discussions and I know you guys have you know really like-minded with with how I am with you know all things athlete well-being and transition and stuff like that so you know it's been a really good good hour of chatting to you and, and I appreciate it I guess just to kind of plug stuff it, it, it would there's a there's certainly a kind of misconception within football particularly that there's not nothing that goes on in the background in terms of support uh, for for young footballers and also sort of older footballers whatever it may be and, and it isn't the case you know there's a there's certainly, you know, football as an industry is heading in the right direction. Uh, there's still improvements to be made, but there's a lot of amazing work that goes on within football, whether that be directly at the club, uh, whether that be within league football education, uh, whatever, whether that be in the PFA or the Premier League or, or other kind of key stakeholders. There's so much support that is available to, to young players and, and players across the board. So I guess just to plug anything, just if you wanted to go and look on LFE's website and look at the different things that we do for academy players, likewise with the PFA, likewise with the Premier League. Um yeah, please do so because I think there's you know there's a common thing within the I guess I guess media, you know, bad news stories always seem to kind of rise rise to the top. And we we've seen it over years of of, of you know kind of people coming forward and, and not you know highlighting that elements of support that weren't there for them, which is which is absolutely correct. But there's also a you know there's there's a task for us to highlight the work that does go on as well and the support that is available. So that'd be my only thing to finish off with, you know, go, go onto the websites, have a look into, you know, the different support that's available to, to footballers across the country, ultimately. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I think the last thing actually that I probably should have said at the start was um, a massive thank you to uh, our mutual friend Elliot for uh, helping with this, yeah. with this connection that we made here. I think uh, for anyone listening, um, Elliot reached out to me because he'd been listening to the podcast and um he he had he had Anthony in mind as one of, one of the a potential guests to get on and of course we've worked quite hard behind the scenes trying to work out some times that would suit the both of us so we can get together and actually get this record and I think it's been you know as I said it's been a pleasure having you on it's been a, a real great episode I think one of, the, one of the best episodes we've done so far um 
obviously we're only on episode two of season two but it's looking like it's you know it's been off to a flyer so far the guests we've had on so um so yeah big thanks to him and and, and again you know if, if you are listening you, you think of anyone that would potentially be a good guest to, to come on and have a conversation with myself and brad and don't hesitate to get in, in contact with us brad anything from you no i just Cheers, Anthony, for coming on. It's so interesting to hear about your role in a bit more detail. And as you say, I think people often do turn a blind eye to the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. So it's great to hear that, you know, what the LFE are doing, but also the work that you're doing with other kind of governing bodies as well. It's clear that there's so much in place for kind of young academy players down down south. And we have been working on something similar, but just the scale of it's not um, as large. But it's nice to see that, you know, our way of thinking's aligned and it's clear you're, you're doing a lot of good work behind the scenes, mate. So cheers for coming on and sharing all that. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, as I said, we're, we're certainly aligned with our, our kind of thoughts on, on well-being and transition and player care, whatever it may be. So it's been, yeah, it's been a real pleasure to come on and, and chat to you guys and yeah thanks to Elliot as well who's, who's moved into a new role now hasn't he he's, he's yeah, like, yeah he has yeah um, so yeah thanks thanks to Elliot top man um, work with him quite closely actually over the past year or so at Sterling so yeah, he's been a he's been a real good connection and glad that he connected us together as well yeah 100% 100% thank you very much mate thanks, and, uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who joined us uh, to listen <laughs> Right, Brad, uh, what another great episode that was. I don't know about you, but I had loads of points that I had jotted down throughout that, and I think it's definitely worthwhile us taking a little bit of time just to reflect on all the information we, we gathered. How about you? Yeah, yeah, I think he offered so many insightful tips for the players, and, you know, the amount of experiences that he's had is clear, you know, that he's very knowledgeable in the sort of area that we like to talk about, which is well-being and sports psychology support, so I'm the same, I've got plenty to, plenty to chat about as well. Yeah, yeah, what we're going to do this time around is we set ourselves a timer so we don't go, we don't end up talking for another half an hour, but um, yeah, I think it's great, we'll start, we'll, we'll go in order and we'll, we'll start I think the first bit that really stood out to me was, as you were just saying before we started recording this, is living in digs and, and the pressure that, that um, the pressure that sort of adds up on a player, and the way I think it changes the dynamic of of living for someone at that age as well. Um, yeah, you got any thoughts there? Yeah, I think it's something I reflected on during the episode, but like almost a sacrifice that academy players have to make and. Something that's different in England to Scotland is that it might be more likely that you have to move into like digs, as they're called, as opposed to in Scotland, where maybe it might be more likely to travel. Obviously, you do have players in digs, but yeah, it just made me kind of reflect on the sacrifices that parents make, but also that players make as well. Yeah, definitely. I think I relate to it quite strongly because when I was younger, I was heavily involved in, in tennis growing up, and there's a lot of travelling there, and you're away from home a lot. Um, obviously, I ended up taking a step away from the sport at a much younger age than what Anthony did but um, well he didn't even take a step away from it but um, what was interesting is that he sort of said that when he was finished at Blackpool he then went back home for uni whereas usually it's the other way around so usually it's 
you know you've been at home until you're 18 and then you go away for university yeah. so you can sort of see already the impact that that's had and the way that I guess differed his, his perspective on life where he's already he'd done the sort of away from home bit and he wanted to be a bit closer to home there I'm, I'm sure he'd you know I'm sure he did obviously um, go and get these new experiences and stuff that you, that you do do that, that you you go and get at university but it was quite interesting to sort of see how that's perhaps a different dynamic to most what most people would do yeah i think one of the experiences that he touched upon that when he was at uni was playing non-league football and how surprised he was with the standard of that so for me that almost ties into a big thing that we talk about like what making it is yeah. And yet, I mean, it's easy to look down your nose at non-league football, but until you get chucked into that environment, I'm sure you realise that it's, as Anthony kind of mentioned, that it's a, it's a tough environment and um, you need to be ready to work hard and dig in. And that's probably taught him a lot, you know. I think he talked about going through like five different teams before he nailed down a starting spot. And the, probably the resilience that that, that um, you know, that gave him and having to adapt meeting new people, yeah. working under new managers and stuff like that. So I thought that was a really good point. And as we always say to our players, like, um, you know, go out of your comfort zone. Um, don't, don't just expect to be in that sort of elite environment all your life. There might be a time where you have to, to kind of drop down and, and that's okay because you, you can still grow as a person from doing that. Yeah, definitely. I think it was interesting as well as almost when he taking that step away from the academy setup and he'd gone to do the men's sport. Um, he discussed again the importance of using the people that he had around him um, and, and using that network he had because I think he said that, because in from looking at it from an outsider perspective, it, I, I sort of had assumed before meeting him that that transition where he went off to university had been quite natural and hadn't been too difficult. But then actually when you speak to him and break it down, he sort of revealed how it was more difficult than it might have seemed from the outside looking in and um, how it hadn't been for that support network he had around him when he was going through that time of, you know, as you said, moving through a couple of teams to try and find, you know, um, one that he could he could play for and start at. Um, trying to look at things outside of football in terms of career aspirations as well. Um, all really big, thought-provoking and challenging experiences you go through in life. So it's, it's really interesting to hear how actually, while it might have looked simpler, it really wasn't. Um, so that was, yeah, yeah great. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think as well, just mm. a conscious of time, I think the last thing that I wanted to highlight, because I think he spoke about it really, really well, and I think we had the great discussion like during the podcast but it was that concept that you know, just because you've not perhaps made it as a professional footballer one like you are still involved in football and you are still he's still having an impact there and I think it's still obviously his, his career in general is amazing and the work that he's doing is fantastic but then he is also still playing some professional and at, at a high level so you know it is like he has sort of made it to put sort of quotation marks around it but also the skills that he gained and the knowledge he gained through competing at in football at such an elite level um, really transferred across to life and it's like a really invaluable experience that he's get so it's just because he hasn't made it completely professional doesn't mean that all that effort and time he put in was a waste because actually he's, he's gained all this knowledge and all this experience yeah and just, just lastly before we kind of get cut off I think it was interesting for me to learn about from like almost an organi organisational structural level like how English football works behind the scenes because 
you often think that they're not doing enough for players, but clearly the, the LFE are doing loads and you've also got the Premier League and PFA and other organisations that are running similar programmes. So I think it could be useful for listeners even to, to hear about what goes on behind the scenes and how hard people are working to ultimately look after the players as best yeah. as they can. So I felt that, that knowledge was, was really useful and interesting as well. Yeah, 100%. Really, really good point, mate, there. And I think another that is another strength of our podcast, not you know, blow our own horn too much or whatever. But yeah, it is that way of hopefully listeners, when they do listen to this, they realise the support that is out there for players. Um, not only are we hopefully giving them some of the knowledge on how they can support players or how young players can, can support themselves, but also where you can go and we can signpost them to that. Um, and again, any listeners, if you're still, if you're still with us, um, <laughs> then you know do drop us a message just um and we'll be happy to give you that help and, and give you that guidance too um so yeah and thank you very much for joining me brad i really enjoyed this episode and can't wait for the future episodes that are coming up yeah mate. not a good one Perfect. cheers everyone <laughs>